Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. Okay, let me kind of set a stage for this. Let me tell you where we're going right here at the beginning of the year. Towards the end of last year, somewhere um, probably October, uh, maybe a little bit earlier, but somewhere around in there, we called some of our pastors together. We said, you know, we, we want to be praying. We do this every year, but we want to be praying and saying, Lord, what, what is it that you want for us as a church, as a spiritual community in 2023? And, and over several meetings and prayer and lots of emails and discussion, you know, in the middle, we felt like the Lord helped us to land on a theme, and this year, the theme that, that we're going to hold as a pastors, and you'll be hearing it, we'll be bringing it to you as a church, is a heart for the house and hands for the harvest. A heart for the house and hands for the harvest. I, I put a little subscript just to help me to dial it in, and, and it's a call to activate or a call to deepen our discipleship, our ability to follow the Lord. Well, let me just kind of give you a little bit of a snapshot. When we say a heart for the house... This is a call that we feel the Lord calling us back, and we're going to help call our spiritual back, uh, our spiritual family back to a spiritual alignment in their devotion to God and to His house, or we'll say it this way: to the spiritual family where you're called to learn to become a disciple and help disciple other people. This is where we use our individual gifts. This is where we do life together and we sharpen each other and learn to rely and, and to draw from each other and to give back. And, and, and this is where we, 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 we come and we partner together to build the family, to build the body of Christ so that we can do what God's called us to do. And this is so important that throughout the word of God, not limited to the New Testament, but of course, it takes on a whole new significance in the New Testament. But throughout the word of God, listen, the Bible commands us. I don't mean in a legalistic way. I don't mean in some kind of a religious ritual or routine. But the Bible commands us not to forsake our devotion to the Lord, nor the gathering place of his saints. And that becomes especially true. When we get into the last days and Hebrews chapter 10 tells us, whatever you do, make every effort, make it a high priority to keep coming together. Can I insert this post pandemic in person? Now, for some of you that are watching online, I don't mean that to be offensively. I know some of you have, you know, medical and health conditions and boy, lots of grace and, and lots of understanding for that. But for those who can, something happened in the COVID pandemic and, and globally speaking, this is not just from a pastor's point of view, although I'm consistent with the pastors across our country. But globally speaking, sociologists are recognizing something happened in the dynamics of the COVID pandemic, by the way, most of which was not related to the actual virus itself, but the way it was handled 
and the way people kind of kind of uh, received it and, and changed their mindset and began to look at things differently. And then with all of the restrictions we had and, and, and all of, you know, all of our, 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 our closures and when we couldn't get together, something changed in the collective social structure around the globe. And I can just tell you this, sociologists are still trying to measure it, but none of it is healthy. From a Christian point of view, something changed radically there too. And we went from already something that had been on a drift, and that I remember when I was growing up, people that were committed to the things of the Lord, you were in church every Sunday unless you weren't feeling well, unless you had to work, or unless you were on some kind of a vacation. And it wasn't a legalistic thing. It's like, well, no, that's my spiritual family. That Yeah, I'm part of this thing. I, it's like, you know, not showing up to Thanksgiving dinner or not showing up to Christmas or not coming home at night, you know, after work. And well, that's what families do. We come together. But something happened during COVID and we began to discover, oh, we have like online capabilities now where we can sit on our couch and we can still catch the message. And we can still feel like we're a part of, of something. And, and I'll be honest as a pastor, I'm not saying this just to try to get congregants back, but I'll be honest as a pastor, there are some things that you can glean and you can grow in your relationship with God by listening to a podcast, by, by, by watching a video, by reading a book, by studying on your own. There are parts of Christianity that are very personal and, and very meaningful to you. And that's true. I'm not trying to argue with that. But Hebrews chapter 10 says that the purpose of our gathering together is so that we can encourage and we can provoke or we'll say sharpen one another to continue to walk in love and do the good works that God has for us uh, for each of our lives in assignment. Now, let me just say this to you. You can grow to some degree in the Lord all by yourself, but you cannot encourage someone else and provoke someone else all by yourself. There's a part of your growth doing life together that requires that you maintain the family. If you're part of a family nucleus right now and everybody wakes up in the morning and kind of, you know, high fives or just gives each other the nod as they go out the door to school or jobs or whatever they do, and then they come back home and they give each other the knob and they grab their dinner and they go to their room and shut the door and get on Netflix or get on the TV, I'm just going to tell you what, you're not going to have a very healthy family very long. It, it, family relationships demand that we are spending time with each other. It's not always fun. It's not always, what, you know, it's super easy. It gets messy sometimes because family gets messy. But in the long run, what it produces in our lives and what it produces in the lives of the next generation is God-ordained. And so Hebrews 10 says, whatever you do, I know that, that as we get into the last days, it's pretty descriptive. Culture is going to pull us away from God, everything from, negative, from a negative bent to a pleasure saturation is going to give us a hundred reasons why we shouldn't come to church. But over and over and over again, Old Testament and the New Testament, the Bible says, whatever you do, don't give in to that. Don't give in to that. You need to be part of the kingdom of God. You need to be part of a local body of believers. You need to be investing yourself, not just because that's going to help you grow, but the actual reinvestment exercises a whole different set of muscles and helps other people grow. And so when we say heart for the house, we're talking about 
people coming back and re-engaging at a different level. Now listen, I know that me giving you know a little speech right here is not enough to do it. It'll take the Holy Spirit. But I'm introducing something that we believe the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. And I fully believe that as time goes on, he's going to be speaking to you too. You might have already said that, you know, we need to get back to church. Of course you do. And I'm preaching to the choir here, but people online, all right? You know, we need to get back to church. You know, we need to be more consistent. You know, we need to get our priorities right. And listen to me, there's no condemnation. That's the Holy Spirit trying to pull you back into the place where he can grow and he can build and he can thicken up your, your spiritual life so that as things get, you know, crazier and get chaotic on the earth, then the Bible says we can still walk straight. We can still walk in the blessing of the Lord, in the wisdom of God, in the direction of God. And th- this is what the Lord wants us to do. The other side that we, that we talked about was not just a uh, heart for the house, but hands for the harvest. And this is our helping to call every believer to get involved, to bring in the harvest, or we might say that in practical language, to help reach people for Christ. Jesus said something really interesting in John chapter 4. He, he said, stop saying to me, well, just a few more months. Just give me another season. Just let me get through this half of the year. Stop saying a few more months and then it'll be harvest time. He said, open your eyes. He said, the harvest is ripe. In other passages, the Bible says the harvest at times is rotting in the fields. There are people that are desperate for the Lord Jesus Christ, desperate for God. And here we're sitting and we've got a sweet spot and we're trying to make sure we can even get there to participate, but we have the ability to be part of helping people on their journey to find the Lord and to be able to, to you know, to experience his, his goodness and his blessing and his healing for their life. And we're supposed to be involved in that. Let, let me read you a little more in John chapter four, verse 36, Jesus is speaking and said, and he who reaps receives wages. So if you're out there, and you, you get to be part of somebody finding Jesus and the Lord being able to build and strengthen and, 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 and focus their life, maybe heal their marriage and bring their whole family in. He said, listen, there, there's paydays for that. I mean, eternal ones for sure, but the Lord will bless your life because you're in, involved. He goes on and says, well, receive wages and gathers fruit for eternal life so that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. Oh, That means that as we're encountering people, that we don't always start from ground zero. We don't know. Sometimes we step in and we might be dropping a few more seeds of testimony, a few more seeds of God's word to encourage people to to be back in church again or or to give their life to the Lord. We, We might be part of that, but we might be the one who comes. Everybody else has already sown and we're the last one. We come and they're like, you know, I'm so glad you invited me. Can I come with you on Sunday? And we get to be the one that like walks them in. It's like, wow, look what happened. But that doesn't happen all the time. It's the process here. And whatever part of the process we get to serve, the Bible says we're all part of it. In fact, it goes on and says, for this saying is true, uh, one sows and the other reaps. We're part of this process. We don't always get to see the result, but we are part of bringing it in. Here's the last part. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant and others had already done the work and now you will get to gather the harvest. In other words, there are, there are people everywhere and God has been working on them for months, working on them for years perhaps. 
And all around us, people are desperate for Jesus. And if we're open to it, we have the opportunity just to plant a little seed, just to invite them, just to say, you know what, dude, I've been there before. Hey, would, would, is it kind of too weird if I just, let me just say a little prayer for you right now and give them something that the Holy Spirit's prompting you to encourage them. But, but we have the opportunity to do that and the results are eternal and they're, they're enormous and they're impacting the people's lives. But we can get so caught up that we, we don't think about it. <clears throat> a few, few chapters later, Jesus went on to say, it's really important that we don't get preoccupied. We have to do the work while the daylight's here. Listen carefully, because night's coming. And when the lights go out, Nobody gets to work anymore. In other words, it's not a fear tactic. It's not something that puts a lump in your throat. It's just a realization that time is short. We don't have all the time in the world. I, listen, I just turned 60 years old, and, and it wasn't like a big memorial thing for me for some reason, but a light did come on and say, you know, you're not 30 anymore. And, and that's just not physically, you know, I'm a little slower than I used to be and, and, you know, and I don't have quite the endurance I did. That's a realization that, you know, it's possible that, you know, in, in a good way, I might have about 30 years left. I got 60 years behind me. But we don't have a lot of time to do the things God wants us to do to impact other people, listen carefully, for eternity. Once we leave here, that's it. That's it. We get a brief little thing here. So our heart is to say, we want to be able to encourage everybody. We want to put you in a position where you can be able to hear from the Lord. We're not here to force anybody to do anything. I don't want you to be weird, to feel weird about it. Uh, maybe, maybe it, like this is new. I, I don't, that, that's a different kind of weird. But I don't want you to feel like you have to do something legalistic so that God will love you. That's just not true. We're going to put you in a position so the Lord can begin to encourage you and inspire you. And then you can, you can know what to do with those things and move out, uh, move out into them. All right. So here's, here's the question it'll zone us in for today. So if, if we're going to do that, then how do we accomplish it? And what we're starting today is a season long. So we'll go from now till about Easter. And it's a collection of studies. And they're all going to revolve around this thing called the theology of place. I know that sounds like a kind of a big religious term for some of you, but let me just break it down. It, it really just means that if we can recognize and we can engage that God has ordained for all of our lives to be involved in three primary places. If we keep those places in the right priority, they cascade, they waterfall into one another. One feeds the next, which feeds the next. And pretty soon you've got a life cycle going that is so fulfilling and that God has every opportunity to bless and to resource and to, to provide for and to direct you like he really wants to because you're at the right place doing the right thing at the right time. That's called a theology of place. And here's the three places that God's ordained. We can see these all over scripture. The first place is called the secret place. And the secret place is where we meet with God daily and deeply for the purpose of growing in knowing him 
and being freshly filled and empowered by his spirit. This is not a legalistic thing. It's not just a little check mark in a box. I did my devotion. We're going to talk a little bit about that today. This is a genuine transforming experience that we have. And we're supposed to be positioning ourselves where we're having it every single day with God. We're meeting with him in the secret place. As we meet in the secret place, our lives gets filled up and focused. And the next place that we're instructed to, to be meeting, and that is the gathering place. And this is where like-minded believers come together for the purpose of worshiping God, of ministering to one another for the building up of his church. It's like when you have, you know, all of your family members are there, not just mom with dad or, or you know, mom with one of the, the kids. Or, or, or it, It's when everybody's there, that's when you really get to build a family unit. And that's so important. And so the gathering place is the second. Here's the third place. And uh, lots of Christians will, will find their way to places one and two, but they never quite get to the third place. The third place is the public place. And this is where believers are sent out to reach the lost and broken world, listen, with a relevant wis- uh, witness from a revived people who are full of the word and full of the spirit as a result of spending time first in the secret place and then in the gathering place. So it, it, some people try to run out to the public place. Well, I just know I'm supposed to be witnessing, so I'm just going to be witnessing. But they haven't spent any time in the secret place. They're not super consistent in the gathering place. And they run out there and they realize, I'm empty. I mean, I, I can give them some of my thoughts and some of my experiences, but it feels forced. And it, it feels like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to give them something I don't even have. That wasn't the way God designed it. <clears throat> if we spend time in the secret place, and we bring that into the gathering place for kind of a deepening and a widening and a, and a, a more thorough exchange, then we are, we are ready and it's kind of an overflow. We step out into the public place and I'm telling you, we're not talking about, you know, bullhorn guy on the corner, although I'm not marginalizing his role. What I'm talking about is when you encounter people that you're bumping into every day and you can hear, man, their heart's breaking. They don't, they're lost. They don't know what to do. And, and lots of times because of the love of God in your heart, you might actually say to them, man, I wish I knew what to tell you. What if, what if you could put yourself in a position where you did know what to tell them, where you had something to offer them that would be life-changing and sustaining for them? That's what we're going to be studying. We're going to talk about a theology of place. All right. So for the rest of the time today, we're going to go through kind of a quick, but this is such an important look at this first place called the secret place. And we're, we're going to look at it more after this, but we're going to introduce it today. And we're going to ask three basic questions that everybody's probably trying to ask and understand. First of all, what in the world is the secret place? Second of all, why is the secret place important? And I gave you some, uh, but, but there's a whole other layer we're going to look at. And here's the third place that, that it gets real practical. Then how can I create a secret place with God? I'm not a pastor. I'm not like a super Christian. Or, but how, how do I do that? Because I want to, but I don't. I don't still know how to do it. And so, question number one. Let's just get right to it. What is the secret place? And here's the answer. And then we'll we'll look at it in Scripture. The secret place is where you meet daily and deeply with God. Pretty simple. Secret place is where you meet daily and deeply with God. But we can find some things out that will give us uh, insights that will help us for it to be more meaningful. If we look at Psalm chapter 91, we're just going to look at the first verse. And here's what it says. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High 
shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Now that sounds really warm and really inspiring and kind of prompts us, you know, especially if we've been around for a while to say, amen, amen. But what does it mean? What does that actually mean? And again, many people say, Lord, I just want to be under your shadow, which really what you mean is, I want to feel the closeness of your presence. I want to know that you stepped into my situation. You stepped in, in, into, into the room where I was at, into the worship service. I want to be able to experience something. And listen to me, that's a wonderful thing. But when you understand the scripture, it helps you not to get the cart before the horse. This will tell you how to get into the secret place and what it is, is that you're looking for and how to measure it. So let, let's look at a few, four, a few key words here that will help to unpack this. And I'm gonna go a little bit quick because they don't, they don't need a lot of deep explanation, but I wanna give you some practicality. First of all, it says he who dwells in the secret place. The word dwells here, it's describing something that's the opposite of a grab and go. It's not swinging by the QT, you know, just to get a cup of coffee real quick and you're right back in your car again. That's not what we're talking about. And, and think of this in terms of, of your connection with God. Not only that, it, it, it means to, 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 to carve out some time. It means to sit down. It means to become settled into something. It, it could even mean to make yourself at home, to, to make this uh, something that you visit so often and you feel so comfortable there that it's like, well, that, that's, just my, that's just my go-to. That's my place. It's some place that you've carved out and you've built a familiarity around it. So he's saying, first of all, the secret place, it's not something you're going to visit every once in a great while. The secret place is going to become something that's habitual for you something that's part of your life. You've wove it in to, to the priorities of your life. But not only that, he says, he who dwells in the secret place. This was, is one particular word in the Hebrew. And if we're looking at it literally, it's literally talking about a shelter or a covering or a hiding place. Or, or, or when we go into a metaphor now and it leaves kind of the physical structure, it's talking about a private place a personal place, let me say it this way, a safe place. And here's what it's describing. Every single one of us is wired. We've got a secret place inside of our, our heart. You've got thoughts, you've got things, you've got dreams, you've, you've got plans, you've got you know, insecurities and wounds and all those things are in a deep, deep part of you in the secret part of who you are. And let me tell you something else about every one of us as humans, we're built, we're wired with this craving to want to open up the secret part of who we are and share that with someone else. It, it, it's why sometimes we get into these tense, pressurized situations and we feel like nobody understands me. And there's a part of that that's true. Maybe the people around you have a pretty keen, you know, a keen insight on what you're going through, but they don't understand it from a secret place position unless you've invited them in and you've built that kind of a relationship. So he's saying here, the secret place, uh, it, when, when, we're, when we're referring to God, can become a sacred place. But don't mistake the sacred place like I come to a church building, okay, I went to the secret place. Well, that doesn't mean you've opened up your heart. That doesn't mean that you, there's a vulnerability and you feel like when you're in a conversation with God, you don't hold anything back. 
You don't steer away from topics. You don't try to hide stuff. And the, the irony is we kind of do that almost instinctively. Our, our carnal part of us is all about self-preservation, right? And so we, we do that with people, right? We kind of put our best foot forward and skirt, you know, kind of the ugly stuff, the stuff we're not super proud of, we're a little bit insecure. We kind of pull that back around the backside. But the interesting thing is God already knows everything. And so when we come into a place with him, we have the opportunity to be completely vulnerable with somebody who already knows everything, in fact, knows more about you than you do. There's no safer place. There's no more sacred place than to open up the vulnerability of who you are at the deepest level and do it in a relationship with your creator. In fact, last week we looked at Hebrews chapter 4, 16 and says he invites us to come into his presence, to come into that secret place, to open up our heart. And listen, and it's not a, it's not a place of judgment. It's a place of grace. It's a place of blessing. He said, come and listen, when you come, the first thing I want you to know, there is mercy everywhere. You're never gonna come encounter an angry God. Even on your worst day, even though you're still not doing the thing he's been talking to you about, or you're still doing the thing he's been trying to get you to stop doing for years, you can still come to the secret place. He'll mention it to you. He might want to talk about it, but it'll be in mercy. It'll be in his restorative grace. And so this is what it means to be in the secret place. It, it, it's this place in your heart that you want to, that you need to be able to share with somebody else. But not only that, it says he who dwells or he who takes his time and begins to build you know, part, part, a time and a space to open up the most secret, the most vulnerable part of him. It says this person will abide. And this word abide, again, doesn't, doesn't, it's not like I'm driving by and I saw something out the window or I just stopped in and ran in real quick. It literally describes an overnight stay or a prolonged stay in a place of rest and a place of refuge. In other words, if you'll learn to find a place that you habitually are able to open up your heart and your life, and you're able to, to just no holes bar, just to be honest and, and then to let God be honest with you when you're feeding the deepest part of that. He said, you'll find that you've created a safe place for you. You've created a place where you can run to anytime and this is the place where you live. By the way, some of you already know this because you've done it from an emotional or a psychological place. You know, it's kind of like that playful think happy thoughts. Well, you know what your happy thoughts are, right? To bring you out of stress or, or to encourage yourself and, and, and whatever it is that you do to get your, kind of get your peace and, and get your composure back. That's like your happy place. But what if that was a real place that wasn't just something that emotionally, you know, kind of put a security blanket around you so you felt better. What if that was a real place where you're talking to God and God's literally pouring in? And it says, when you dwell in this secret place, vulnerable place with God, when you learn to make that space, then you will literally uh, experience prolonged stays of rest and of refuge. And here's what else it says. It says that you will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. This particular Hebrew word is literally describing the shade that's created by an object or an individual. And the implication is when you're in this sacred, secret, vulnerable place with the Lord, you're going to be able to experience at will prolonged times where you, can, you are literally so close to the Lord, you can feel his shadow. 
You can feel him over your shoulder. You know that he's sitting right there with you. The conversations become so intimate. The conversations become so restorative and so meaningful. And I know for some of you that have never experienced that, you know, you, you, maybe you've, you've kind of lived, you know, on, on the outskirts with God and you're saved, don't get me wrong, but you didn't know he was a loving God that would really welcome you and you're just trying to get your behavior together and then you think, you know, then you can go be super good friends with him when really it's the opposite. You won't be able to get your behavior together until you open up this secret place with him. I know that's hard for you to believe, but I'm telling you, this is what God tells us, instructs us to do. So the secret place is describing this private, this intimate, this very personal place where we dedicate time on a regular basis so that we can engage God's presence in a way that allows him to come so close we can literally feel him in the room with us. We can literally begin to, to sense that he's breathing strength and encouragement into us. We can start catching something on the inside. Sometimes it almost feels like a whisper from the inside where God's whispering things to you and God's sharing things with you. Sometimes insight, sometimes just encouragement. But this is really, really important. But here's another reason why it's called the secret place. Now listen to this. It's called the secret place because it doesn't matter what it looks like on the outside. Only you and the person that's in there with you knows if you're really in that secret place. This is the difference between Debbie and I going out on a dinner date or just sitting at the same table in a restaurant eating a meal. Two different things. Maybe the people in the restaurant don't know that and they're like, oh, look, it's Pastor Gil and Debbie. They're on a dinner date. But what they, they may not know is that we're kind of in a moment right there where we're not having great conversation. And so we ate a meal at the same table, but we didn't walk away feeling restored. We walked away feeling rather annoyed. We walked away feeling if we knew it was going to be like this, we shouldn't have wasted the money to come out to eat. We should have just stayed at home and kind of, you know, wrestled through it. And then we go out to eat. But there's a difference there's a difference. And listen, only you know. You can come to the sacred place every Sunday and never visit the secret place. You're singing all the songs. You're sitting through the message. You might even be scribbling a note down from time to time. But you haven't opened up the vulnerability of your heart. The reason it's called the secret place is there's only two people that know that you actually go there. That's you and that's the Lord. And I want to tell you, he goes first. Revelations 3.20 talks about the fact that God stands at the door of your heart and he knocks. And you've heard that used about people trying to get him saved. And, and that would apply there, but it's really not in the context talking about that. It's talking about people that Jesus shows up to the secret place. This is your meeting place. And he gently begins to knock hey, can I, can I come in? I, I brought some things with me that can nourish you and can encourage you. And I, I just want to talk to you a little bit. The secret place is precious to him. Did you know that the only reason that God created man in the first place was he wanted a family? The only reason that God, that the father sent Jesus is because he couldn't bear to live without his family. And, and that's the reason that he comes to our, to our life every day, all throughout the day. And he just quietly knocks Hey, how about this morning? How about during lunch today? Got a few minutes? I really have some things I want to share with you. I want to bless you. I brought a meal. I brought something that'll nourish you. And I really want to share it with you. See, those are secret place things. 
Those are places that only people that are opening up to that relationship. Now, this is so important that you really can't understand the Bible, especially the New Testament, without at least knowing what the secret place is about. Because the whole New Testament is written assuming that if you've given your life to the Lord Jesus, that you're someone who is passionate about and at least desperately desiring to have the secret place with God. So much so that listen to how Jesus put it in Matthew chapter 6, the Sermon on the Mount. It says, but when you pray, not if, when. The assumption is you've given your whole life to God. You want to get to know him. You want to have conversation with him. It didn't say when you recite prayers, when you throw emergency signals up, when you come to somehow barter because this is really important and and God, I promise if you do this for me, I'll never do this the rest of my life or I'll always do this from now on. It's not talking about those kinds of negotiations. But he, he just assumes that people who really love God want to have this conversation, this intimate exchange that's happening. And so he says, when you pray, go into your room and when you have shut the door. Now, let me just stop you, okay? That's not literal. Some people think, well, I have to be in a bedroom or other translations say in the closet. So I've got to be in the back of the closet behind all the clothes that are hanging with the door shut and nobody can, it's not literal, It's describing that very personal, that very private place that we need to find that level of vulnerability with the Lord. In fact, the word pray here is the word pros ukumai. And and the the first part of the word pros literally means face-to-face. It's not like an over an email exchange. It's not I'm on a phone call. It means we found a place. Hey, no, this is too important. Uh, Can we grab some coffee? Because I really need to talk to you face-to-face. So the word pros is talking about these conversations are face-to-face. And the word ukomai is is talking about something that pulls from, from the inside, from the deepest part. And we're laying something out to try and discover to try and understand the best approach, the best solution. What does the other person think about this? It's talking about a face-to-face, intimate conversation. And Jesus said, yeah, when you have those conversations with God, not if, and it's not legalism. When you have those conversations with God, he said, go into your room and shut the door and pray. Have an intimate conversation with your father who, listen, who's in the secret place. That's where he wants. That's where he lives. In fact, I gave you the Hebrew, but the Greek word is the word cryptos, where we get the word cryptic. And and, and it's not that that it's cryptic between you and God, but listen, this is so special and so intimate that God will begin to speak to you in things that you understand, but if somebody else heard him, like, what is he talking about? You know, if you're around Debbie and I, Debbie and I will, will say little things and we've been, you know, we've been married for 30 something years and, and, and we'll say little things and it won't make any sense to you, but I know exactly what she's talking about. I tease her sometimes. Debbie oftentimes doesn't finish the end of her sentence in words, but she's got these sounds or these expressions and I know in full detail what she's saying. Like we, something happened the other day and she's like, yeah. And they said to me, and I was like, mm. And you might get a kind of a broad category. Well, I think that's not a good thing. That's not a pleasant thing. But I know exactly what she meant. And there's little nuances that the Lord will speak with you. And they're very personal to you. They're almost cryptic to other people. But to you, they're so personal because they're things that address things that are in the secret place that nobody else really understands that. But you do. 
So he says that your father in the secret place and your father who sees in secret, the word sees means he's watching, he's discerning, he's experiencing this with you. And when he realizes and recognizes you've entered into this vulnerability with him, you're, you're growing and you're coming, man. I, I, I'm just, I'm just want to be super honest with you and, and I'm super vulnerable for you to lean into me. When you're doing that, listen, he says that he will reward you openly. And the word openly means it's not a secret anymore. Something happens in the exchange. And if not in that time, over a period of time, you're a different person. You're stronger. You're more confident. You're not stressed. You're not afraid. I mean, what, what's going on? It's crazy. I, I don't know what I'm going to do either. But I know that God's with me in this thing. He's got a plan. He's going to take care of me. And you just walk with that kind of openly. People, people visit. They can validate. They know that something's different about you and it's because you've spent time in the secret place. Well, that's question number one. What is a secret place? That's what it is. Question number two is, why is the secret place so important? We've kind of almost answered it, but let's just frame it in a little better. The secret place is where you grow closer and deeper in your relationship with your heavenly father, uh, the Lord Jesus, and you're freshly filled and empowered, and, and empowered with the Holy Spirit. Again, so, so the result of spending time in the secret place is something happens to you from the inside out and, and you're a different person. It, it's like me saying, if you as a husband and wife, life can overwhelm you. You can be just trying to keep up with the schedules and the finances and the demands and, oh yeah, and, and we, we definitely want to be, you know, a Christian and following the Lord. And man, that just loads up the calendar real fast. And if you're not careful, you can be better business partners than you are marital partners. You lose the secret place. Now, I don't have a quick formula for you. We'll go on a date once a week. And it's not always that simple. And it's, it's rather uh, complex sometimes, but it's uniquely fit to the, to the couple. I'm just going to tell you this. If you don't have any moments where you can push back the chaos and the demands of everything else just enough to experience the secret place with your spouse, that's going to be a really dry and a really challenging marriage. And it's the same thing in this particular relationship too. We, we can do all the things God said. We can, we can go through the mechanics of faith. You can go through it all of your heart and lots of times it'll work. But the intimacy, the deep relational connection that we're craving will not be there. And it's because the secret place is the only thing can bring that. In fact, we see all the way through the New Testament, Jesus practiced this often. Jesus was always in the secret place. Mark 1, uh, verse 35 and 38, we won't look at it, but talks about that Jesus regularly would get up before the sun came up. All his disciples are still sleeping, but he got up a little bit early because he wanted to sneak away to a secluded place so he could find his secret place with God. We don't know what he, what he said. We don't know how that relationship looked. He only gave us you know, one or two samplings of it, but we know that this was so important to him that he made time for it. And every time that he came back, he came back in tune with his heavenly father and empowered by his heavenly father. And this is the result. The open result happens every single time. There's a huge benefit. Let me get to the last one. The question is then, how do we create a secret place with God? And I'm going to frame this in super simple because now that you know what it is, it's not just a checkbox devotion. And now that you know why it's, why it's important, then how do we create it? Here's the answer. Creating a secret place with God begins by asking him for help. Let me elaborate a little more. You ask him for help internally. 
And then you ask him for help in the location. Lord, first of all, help, help my, I don't know how to do this. Maybe I've got some wounds and some scars and I don't open up to people easily anyway. I've been hurt by people in the past and so I'm pretty guarded and now to open up to you all the way, it's like that's the scariest thing ever. Plus you're not here, I can't see you, right? So I'm trying to develop a relationship with somebody who's invisible. I can feel and experience you at a deeper and more consistent level than I can somebody who's sitting right across because you won't hold anything back. You never change your mind. I know who you are because the Bible tells me who you are and you never fluctuate on that. I don't know sometimes the person that's sitting next to me, maybe they're having a bad day. Maybe I think they're this way, but they're really that way. God never fluctuates. So I can know him more and I can experience more consistency and a deeper relationship, but I just can't see him. And that's a weird mechanic for somebody. So the first thing we do is, Lord, help me. Lord, help me to come. And, and if I've got all this insecurity and I've got all this guilt, then help me, wash it away, use your mercy and, and begin to rechange, transform me from the inside out. But then you also ask him to help in the location. Lord, I wanna do this secret place thing. Where, where, where do we do this and when's the best time? Now, can I just put in a disclaimer? Don't get weird about it. Okay, don't get super mystical about it. Because some people, you know, well, I asked the Lord and now I'm just sitting waiting. Did you know the New Testament never tells you to dislodge your brain? Never. In fact, it quites the opposite. It tells us to renew our mind and allow the Holy Spirit to use our intelligence and use our faculties to navigate things. But here, here's the slippery slope. And I know why people, you know, kind of go to the other extreme and say, you know, you have to ask God for everything. And then you just sit and you just wait. And, and I'm not trying to make fun. I'm trying to push it to an extreme to prove a point. I know why they do that because on the other side, we're so tempted when we begin to use our intelligence to not listen to the Lord. It's like a married couple, right? I'm, I'm supposed to bring the best of me to the table, but I'm supposed to do it with a question and a sensitivity to what my wife is looking for. And together we find something. In fact, in that metaphor, Jesus is the husband and I'm the bride. He initiates and I listen. <clears throat> Debbie and I were out just after the first of the year and uh, we, we had this exchange and we always do. And I won't go through all the details because some of you would laugh and start ribbing each other. You know, it's like, hey, where do you want to go to eat? I don't know where you want to go. And that's as far as I'm going to go with that because lots of people experience that, right? So we have our own little version of what that looks like. But the point is, we, we always, if we're gonna go out to spend time together, we wanna be very intentional about where we go. Sometimes we just wanna grab something quick because we're on our way to something else. Other times we wanna go someplace where, where we can have, you know, it's gonna be celebratory and fun. And other times we're looking for someplace that's not gonna have a lot of noise because we, we just really wanna have some, some more personal time with each other. But it doesn't just stop in the selection of the restaurant. When we get to the restaurant and we give our name and say party at two and, and we're here to you know, have dinner, uh, Debbie always speaks up. Even if, even if I was gonna say it, she beats me to it every time because it's super important to her. She says, and can we get a booth? And, and so the one time that I went in the, couple of days, the first couple of days of January, we went to one of our favorite restaurants and, and, uh, and I said, yeah, party at two. And they said, oh yeah, you, we think we can get you in pretty quick. And Debbie, Debbie was like two steps behind me and I didn't think about it. 
And I just turned around and said, they can get us in pretty quick. And, and they walked us into the restaurant to this long, you know, stretch of little mini pub tables. And we're sitting so close to the other person. I almost tried to be funny when I sat down and, you know, kind of tapped the guy on the shoulder and said, hey, so sorry we're late. Because it felt like, no, we're having dinner with these guys whether we want to or not. I mean, like, like I was sitting close, you know, fortunately we, we were by a little divider wall. I'm sitting close to the wall because I felt like even to eat my food, I'm going to bump this guy's elbow. We're like super close. And all of a sudden I had that picture again. No, see, the secret place is important. Location's really important. It's not just going to the right, you know, restaurant and, and but we, we want to make sure we have a place where we're going to be able to enjoy ourselves. There are things that Debbie and I, I and I, I say this to her all the time, there are things that I, I can say to Debbie that I can't say to one other human being on the face of the earth. I think the last time I saw, we got over 7 billion people on the earth now. 7 billion people on the earth. And there are things that I can say to my wife that I can only say to her, I can't say to the other 7 billion people, those things are precious and they need to have the time and the space so that I can say them with all of my heart. I can look her in the eyes and say this without somebody next to the, hey, can we have that salt shaker on your table? Seriously, dude, I'm in a moment here. But, but that's, so it's really important, right? And it's the same thing with God. So let me, let me just read you a little excerpt that I got from Pastor Dale and Joel Everest. And they wrote this daily life journal and they, they go through and they describe some of these things. Here's what they said about the place that we select for our, our secret place with God. It says, the secret place is any place that you can be alone with God. Its location can look different for all of us. While it can change from season to season, it should be a time at a time and in a place where we can speak freely with God, where we can pray and praise freely, where we can kneel and bow freely, where we can sing freely, and we can receive from Him without distraction. The most important key in finding your secret place is to pray and ask God when and where He wants you to meet with Him each day. And again, I, I, I don't mean... I don't want you to hear that's a legalistic thing. And you can't move until he gives you an, the exact instruction. Certainly, if he impresses something on your heart, listen to that. But what it implies is, is a, a, seer, a precious and an intimate uh, inclusion, a sincerity to say, Lord, I, I really want to do this. I need your help internally to know how to connect with you deeply. But I need to know, where do you, when, when do you want to do this? Like, when's the best time for you and I to meet? And where's the best place for you and I to meet? Just because you see somebody at Starbucks having the, that, that doesn't mean, well, yeah, but I thought we have to kneel down. You can kneel in your heart. You can have intimate moments with God right in a public place. If, if the situation is conducive, if your whole mindset, it, it's totally up to you. But the point is that you're inviting him to say, listen, I, I want to come and meet with you daily and I want it, I want it to be deep. I want to have a deeply... And I want to grow in knowing you. And I need to be freshly empowered by your spirit. Again, that, that's why we have these 30 for 30 cards. It's to help us get started. It's just to show us how to do this. That's why we're doing the 30 for 30 class. And again, my wife and I will be there Wednesday. I invite you guys to come and, and bring somebody with you. That's why we, we have the journals out there so you can capture some things from the Lord. Listen, God is so passionate. He wants to meet with you. 
It's life transforming. And everything that happens everywhere else in our life is all going to spill out of that secret place. If you can let God shape you, if you can let him encourage you, if you can let him focus you, then everything else will come out. Your attitude will change. Your confidence will change. Your ability to sense and see what the Lord's doing and wisdom will change. It's not religious. It's just a real relational thing. And God wants to do that for all of us. So let me end the service with a question today. Remember the secret place in, in its purity is this place that all of us have deep on the inside. Revelations 3 said, Jesus comes often knocking at the door of our hearts saying, yeah, I brought some things. So let me end with a question today. What's the Lord been saying to you in the secret part of your life today? You can't tell me you've been sitting in a service where we've worshiped when we invited the king to literally come and inhabit our praises. And then we've opened his word and talked about one of the most precious things to him. And that is our engagement. You just can't convince me that if you were leaning in even a little bit, that at some point you didn't hear the knock of the Lord on the inside saying, hey, I want to talk to you about that. I want to talk to you about this. I'm not going to ask you what that is, but I'm going to say, listen to me, that, that is so precious. It's so intimate and it's so life-changing that my challenge to you, my encouragement to you is you answer that call. Whatever that is, you open that up. Listen, we have people that will be here after service come and say, I, I think I'm hearing God say this and let them pray with you. Let them help with you. Talk to somebody else. Come to the class. But don't ignore that because God needs to find, he wants to find that secret place with you. Bow your head and close your eyes. Heavenly Father, thank you for ministering to us today. Thank you for coming and helping us to know how to engage with you intimately. Holy Spirit, we need you to lead and guide us into this. Man, we'll just stumble around and we'll go from side to side and we might get a little, but but we need you to walk us right into the intimate sweet spot, right into into the place clear our thoughts, clear our schedules, clear all of our inhibitions, and bring us into that vital, intimate place with you. We're asking you with all of our heart, and now we're depending on you to do it in Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.